Welcome to The Ledger Code, the podcast to help boost your career in finance. Join our host, Lee, an industry-disrupting accountant turned recruitment entrepreneur with insight from industry-leading experts. Find out how you can get ahead in the market while others get stuck counting beans. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Ledger Code podcast. Today, I'm very excited to see my guest, uh, Mo Hemen. Mo has had a distinguished career in finance, but also is a bit of a powerhouse in the insurance industry, if it's, uh, if it's fair to say, Mo. Yes, I think that is fair to say, uh, Lee. Um, it's been quite exciting in my journey. Uh, within the insurance industry, having covered a, a number of roles beyond finance. So yeah, it has been a lucrative career, shall we say. Yeah. And I think what's sort of rare is that you were with them for 20 years. And if you, you sort of bear in mind that the average sort of job expectancy is about three or four years in finance, I think 20 years is is fantastic. Yeah, Lee, it's, um, it's not something I must admit I set out to do, uh, to be in a company for so long. Uh, prior to that, um, hopping around companies for two to three years, uh, I think it was just a case um, where I landed at the MIB. It was a growing company and a lot of opportunities um, that were coming along. Um, and so it became like uh, having done probably around five different roles over that time span. So it felt every time it was moving into a new job role, but within the same company. So it's kept me interested and kept me challenged. Yeah, fantastic. So where did it all start for you? Did you did you always think that you wanted to work in accountancy or, or specifically in the insurance industry? Probably ask anyone. No one goes out to um, actually work in the insurance industry, probably fall into it. Um, but prior to that, um, I think I always had a good head for numbers. Growing up in a family business around retail, it was very much about numbers, about the bottom line and things of that nature. So um, became very custom to that kind of work and obviously building up a good business acumen when you're involved in a family business. So I think from a young age, numbers excited me, money excited me. And uh, yeah, I must have been about 16 when I thought, well, actually, I do want to move into the world of finance. Obviously, at that time, I didn't know what that looked like. But um, going forward, the courses I went on, my education going further was around finance and accountancy to the point where going back to what, early 2000. I qualified as an accountant after doing a number of different roles in different sectors as well, including um, roofing supplies, chain of hotels, working in reinsurance as well in the city for two years. So shall we say quite a, a wide sector exposure as well coming forward to the MIB. Yeah. And so you, you studied through um, ACCA and did, did you find that that gave you a fantastic sort of background and grounding in the, the world of finance? Absolutely. I mean, it's one of these things when I was, um, when I started working at the roofing supplies, it was a national roofing supplies company. Um, at the head office there. I started there as an assistant accountant, uh, moved up to being a senior accounts assistant. I, and sometimes there, the people around me uh, were not, shall we say, not qualified, uh, but more as we would call it in those days, qualified by experience. And so I guess that led on a path where I thought, okay, you know, I can learn from these guys and maybe make a career that way. But soon found out that, you know, if you want to really move on, you've got to put the effort, the hours in to become a qualified accountant. And so I embarked on that and within um, four years gained my accountancy qualification. And that really did give me the background, the grounding. It opens you up to a different world and you become far more marketable. So I would suggest to anyone, you know, if you want to go into the world of accountancy, make sure you get that qualification. 
Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. When, when I first started my um, career, it was it was difficult to understand, you know, which, which areas to go into. And, you know, with myself, I went through bookkeeping and then finally through AAT. So I, I find, you know, once you have those you know, certificates in place, it does open a lot more doors. Yes, absolutely, Lee. And like I say, I urge anyone who wants to move into that field. So really, you know, and there is a small sacrifice but the rewards afterwards you know are beyond your limits and you know you can control uh, your life uh, sort of far more better going forward yeah and so from sort of after 2000 you, you entered the uh, motor insurance bureau and yeah. you know from what i understand of you the 20 years that you were there you managed to you know wear many different hats and um, talk, talk us through the progression um, you know from entering the company to where you where you finished off yeah uh, it was again one of these things where I'd recently qualified and I thought right obviously I need to move on now and look for a different challenge and um, quite remarkably there were two offers on the table for me one in Luton and one in Milton Keynes the MIB a lot of I'm in an iron. Having spoken to the agent, I think he swayed me to go into an IBA. And I think the appeal there was it was growing. It had potential to fill. And also, because it was a newly created role, it was a chief accountant role, it was one of these things that always sticks in my mind now. Look, Mo, you can make this big, this role as small or as big as you want. You know, the world's your oyster in this particular role. And you can shape it. And I think that's what clinched it for me, to be ability to go in there uh, and set things up, how you'd like it and mm. how it would benefit the, the organisation. So that drew me into there, being a chief accountant, small accounts department, small company at that time, 250 people, uh, and but growing. The accounts department, there were seven of us, and it was pretty much doing everything from um, the statutory accounts uh, to the management accounts to the budgeting planning. But very low key, shall we say. And I guess it suited the organization at the time. But what I saw in those first few years, great expansion you know, within the organization. I mean, literally within sort of two years, we'd pretty much gone up to about 350 staff. Uh, and so the accounts department was getting bigger. We had to review the finance, how it looked, uh, would actually be fit for purpose as we go forward. And as there was more business coming into the organization, we knew we had to keep those robust controls in place. And so we went from having one set of accounts to now where we actually produce seven sets of accounts for seven different companies. So the enormity there has been great. So going through that period, as it's changing, new CEOs come in, different ideas. You know, the business planning process became far more formal. Finance were integral to that particular activity. So I led from that perspective. Again, you could shape it how you want it. And I guess that's where, you know, we talk about business partnering, which is absolutely right in an organization. Good, strong business partners from a finance perspective. I think you did that anyway without realizing at that time. You know, you what you did, you took, basically, you knew what the vision was, you knew what the strategy was. And then you brought people together and said, right, how do we accomplish this? And yeah, great, you can do it through numbers. But at the end of the day, the finance, you know, they can do the number crunching, but they need to own that process. They need to be at the heart of that business. And I learned that very quickly. When you get involved in different areas of the business, it's not only about knowing your numbers, it's about being part of the business so you can add value. Numbers producing is easy, but what do those numbers mean like? How do you communicate those numbers to the right audience to make the right decisions. 
uh, and I learned that from a very uh, sort of young age uh, and made sure that my team focused on that as well going forward. So business partnering for us was around many years ago. Uh, it's now, I guess, a more formal type position and very demanding. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I completely agree that, you know, there's the, the finance aspect of counting the numbers, but then there's also the case of, you know, these numbers mean something. And I think people can get bogged down in the fact that, okay, they're doing purchase ledger, so they have to make sure that the bills are paid on time. But yeah. what do these invoices mean? How do these invoices contribute to the um, sort of overall aim of the business itself? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And then so uh, you, you went from chief accountant to uh, head of MID services. What, what was uh, head of MID services? Just slightly before that, I went into a head of customer services. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so having been chief accountant there for, what was it, 12 years uh, and seeing the company grow and being involved in a number of projects, and these were industry-based projects and things that we did internally with MIB, sort of like mini transformations, process improvements across the organization. And obviously, finance played a significant role in that. So I always saw myself getting involved um, in the number crunch there and then feeding back. And obviously, when you're part of the business planning process as well, your thought process is just very different. You look at things far more from a strategic point of view rather than just a numbers point of view. And having done that, I saw that I picked up a lot of experience and knowledge what was going on in the main operational area, which was the claims area. Having worked with them closely, business partnered them in that area, putting together KPIs, tracking performance, speaking to the head of those departments, just found myself getting a lot of knowledge. And uh, it was, I must admit, it was a curveball. This CEO saying to me, hey, Bob, how would you feel like running head of customer services? You know, we want you to go in there and look at it from an analytical point of view. But because you're so, again, you've got a very good rapport, you have a good reputation with people, you come across really well, you can explain your numbers in layman's term to non-finance people. How would you like to go in there and take a look at the area and see what we can do from a process improvement point? So yep. a curveball uh, for me, uh, uh, for other people as well, but yeah, I took on the challenge and to be honest, it, it wasn't any different. You know, you're still running a, a department, albeit it went from having 11 or 12 people in finance at that time to owning a, a budget of 300 million and having 250 staff under you, you know. But yeah, to enormity, yes, from volume wise, very big, but same sort of principles. When you break things down, when you look at business area, what do you want? You want to make it efficient, yeah? You want to make sure the productivity is high. You want to make sure that you're performing against your KPIs. All those things are looking at it um, slightly differently from a, a finance point of view as well, which no ordinary, I guess, operational manager can do, although there's a lot of demands now. But having that just in-depth finance knowledge to go and do that, uh, and that proved very fruitful. You know, we had a few mini transformation projects in there, came out, KPIs were much better than when I went in originally. So it was a turnaround, but it was about the, key essence you look at people process and systems they're the key things that drive it and then how do you then make sure the culture and, and people engage and follow you through that journey yeah and i think you know by by gaining the understanding of what the end result is which is um essentially how happy are your your customers i think it, it comes full circle and what, what did you sort of you know what would you say was the, the biggest takeaway from being the, the head of customer service that you carried on throughout your career the biggest takeaway is when you go from finance to operational you learn to get a wider view you know you become 
you think very strategically, you know, so you can actually help shape the vision of the organization. Yeah, you get involved in actually setting those objectives, and then you take away that anywhere. That is something that really adds value to any organization. So, say, right, I want this finance job going forward. It's not just about looking at the finance processes, it's looking at wider than that, because what you're trying to do is make sure you complement each department into finance or the other way around and make sure the overall business is actually just moving very closely and together. Uh, and, you know, you create everything I say about, you talk about engagement, you talk about performance. If everyone's in line, you're not working in silos, everyone's talking, yeah? I think that is one thing I took away, a whole new perspective in how you think and how you can bring that into the finance and actually put it into place in finance as well. Because at the end of the day, even in finance, you have customers. But the other big thing as well, you become more empathetic towards customers. It's not just about numbers. You know, you're here to provide a service. How do you make that service look good? So there's a number of things that we achieved, which I was really proud of, especially on the KPIs, which a lot of them were around customer service, you know, in terms of how they feel about how, what kind of service they received from the MIB. We saw all those performance monitors move north and we're really proud of that. Yeah, so by, by um, sort of spending time with customer service, I think, you know, you, you get to understand the operations of the business. And I think, you know, some, sometimes finance is um, a bit 2D, whereas if you get a holistic view of the business, you know, you can start to see how your processes actually impact other areas. Um, and I think in, in a lot of companies where they fall short is they treat all these different sectors. So, you know, marketing, finance, operations, they treat them all as individual silos. And that's when you get friction because, you know, nine times out of 10, you're, you're having an issue where sales want to sell more to a customer, but finance are saying, well, we can't offer them any more credit. So, you know, in businesses, there's a, a lot of, um, you know, friction between the different departments. Indeed. Yeah, always is. And it's very important you bring those departments together. Uh, a lot of it is just basic communication. You know, anything you do in finance, as you well know, you know, going back many years, finance with a back office, you, you can't be that anymore. You know, you've got to be front facing. And yeah, you may have to have some very challenging times with the people that you work with in those different organizations. But hey, it's important to challenge those things, bring them out into the open so everyone understands and you can move forward together. Yeah, and I think for for finance people coming up in the um, industry and in their career, I think there's uh, you know a massive difference in terms of abilities across the, the whole spectrum. So you have the ability to crunch the numbers and you know do the finance side, but I feel if you're you're lacking in the other types of intelligence, such as emotional intelligence, and you fail to um, communicate effectively, you could be an A star accountancy student but it doesn't really matter if you can't get your point across and you know you seem to cause more problems than you solve in a business absolutely you know we're all as it comes we know we're all technically able you know but it's those soft skills are the key things that sets a good accountant apart from strong say a normal accountant you know those soft skills communication how you communicate how you deliver those numbers what do they look like who's your audience what do they want to see? I can remember, you know, you go back many years, you could just put a spreadsheet up with lots of numbers uh, and the number you're trying to focus on is in that far right-hand corner and probably the smallest text you can see and mm. you're trying to explain that number. You know, you've got to think about your audience and, and ask the question, right, what are you here to do? What are you trying to get across? 
Make sure you have a compelling argument, a compelling case, and make sure you highlight that. So, you know, even when you think and even now when we put together packs for the board or senior management, you know, it's all about that communication and that delivery. What do people want to see? What do they want to make that decision on? So you're, you're looking at your reporting. It's got to be, yeah, advanced, but we have great systems now, especially in the ERP. We have fantastic systems to do that. All well and good. How do you put that and present that to make sure business can make the right decision? And again, it's the finance are heart of that. Very important to make sure you communicate across the business in the right way. Yeah, and I think it's a bit of a trifecta between personal skills and you know the systems that you use. And I think when communicating new systems that there's always the right way to go about it and to, to give you an example I put in a new purchase ledger system which meant the operations team had to do more work rather than finance and in order to sell it to the, the wider business I treated the presentation a bit like um, a stand-up comedy gig so I did it in such a, a funny way that people were laughing but they were also absorbing the message but buying in and I feel by having those soft skills you're able to read the room and um, feel it's it's completely key, but also having the right processes in place as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's fundamental. Uh, you know, when you walk in somewhere to present something, they're the fundamental things you need to make sure are in place and are able to explain. Yeah, uh, and that should be a given when you go in. And it's just like numbers when you know your numbers. Very simple. Yeah, they're the things that should be there. It's then about you, like you say, Lee. How do you deliver? Know your audience. How do you make them click? How do you get them on your side? Uh, and one thing I found and learned a lot as well, going into presentations, presenting business cases or whatever, actually run them by a few people before you go in. The audience that you're going to use. So you get them on board. So show them what you're trying to tell and you know get them on board earlier. So when you go in that room, at least you know you're not walking into a room where people are looking to challenge, which is great. Chat being challenged is great. But there's a few people who already got a flavor and they'll be on your side immediately. So again, that's a very important aspect of anything. You know, not just finance. If you want to get a compelling business case across, make sure you've got people on board beforehand. You're engaging with those people. It just makes it easier when you then get into that theater, shall we say, that people have got bits of it and they're with you and they follow you. Yeah, and I think it's human nature that you're never going to be able to please everyone. But you know, if you're you're able to give them enough sort of run up to the idea and you know present it in such a way that actually they'll stop seeing the you know work that they have to do and start seeing the advantages that they'll get from it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so with your with your career in MIB and having such a holistic approach, not just in finance, what what are some of the the big changes that were made um, sort of during your tenure in terms of system processing? System processing, yeah, there was a number of changes. Um, it was only up to what two thousand and nineteen that we were still using the same accounts um, software, very old green screen type same accounts. So coming back into finance, having uh, had a spell out in operations, we knew that we needed to upgrade the systems within finance to support the business. And at the point I came back into finance in 2017, it was too far pretty much. Yeah, we're going to go through a journey of transformation business-wide, but also we need to make sure that the culture, the people, the skill sets uh, are right in finance to support business going forward. 
Um, so challenging times uh, from that point of view. And in, in terms of systems, it was, okay, right, we need to put a business case together here. And the way I set about doing that, for the work streams, we had, we had done eight work streams as part of that business transformation. Simple approach, you know. And again, looking at it very strategically, saying, right, what does our current operating model look like? Uh, and that's broken down quite simply. You get people into the room saying, right, what does it look like? What, what, what do we do now? And ask ourselves, you know, what's actually good? What are the pain points? And ask those questions and pretty much build up a current target, uh, sorry, current operating model. And then ask ourselves, right, what does the future look like? And then you start building up your target operating model. And having done that in finance, um, one thing was clear. You know, we needed to go on the journey with the business. We were updating our IT, our technology. Uh, and so it was definitely going to move towards an ERP system. And obviously, it had to be able to fit in, not only with other systems, but also bring it together so we can be far more adaptable, flexible, and quicker and sharper in churning out the numbers and putting reports on those end-user desks to make sure that they can make the right decisions. So in terms of when you talk about systems and processes, I think from a finance point of view, I've never stopped looking at processes. You need to keep on doing that because if you don't know your processes and you can't review them, then you will become it will become challenging for you going forward. I think it was really good when you were saying about um, collaborative. So with regards to the sort of changing the process itself, I think it's, it's key to take a collaborative approach because you've got different levels of system users. And by taking into the account of, you know, someone who's quite junior who has to do it on a day-to-day basis, I think is a lot better approach than, you know, deciding to just do a blanket change and not really sort of bother with what other people feel about the process. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, you know, anything, you know, would change, it impacts people. And the first question people ask is, well, how does that impact me? How does that affect me? Will it change anything? Do I still have a job at the end of it? You know, they're the natural questions we all go through as human beings. So having gone through that change process at the MIB and going through change throughout, and I guess this is something else where I've learned, change is difficult for a lot of people, mm. um, you know, because it's uncertain. Uh, and you can look at the change curve model there and it shows you what emotions people go through and they all go through at different stages and you as a leader uh, as the one who's actually executing that changes needs to understand that and make sure that you're in a position that you're communicating to those people and understanding their thoughts their fears and making sure that they're on board with you to take that forward so a lot of it again comes down to communication uh, one of the strategies at MIB was very important. Tell people why we need to change and what we're changing. Be upfront. Yeah, you can never communicate enough. So all the time when I've gone through things, it's about we're doing this. These are the reasons why we're doing it. Yeah, and the good thing is we knew uh, in finance that people knew that the systems we had were not going to support us going forward. There was frustration. So the why was very good, but then you come back to, well, what does this look like for me? And so be open and honest and appreciate that change curve. But most of all, it's about humility with each individual when you go through change. Because people do go through it in a very different manner. And you've got to be ready to absolutely address that to make sure that you're engaged with everyone. Otherwise, you, you cannot be successful. 
if you don't have engagement from people. Yeah, and I think the the biggest barrier to getting any system off the ground is, especially in finance, where the technology is coming on so rapidly, there's a, a thought that actually this system could potentially replace my job and speaking from sort of someone who's put in systems as well and you know with with one bit of software that costs about 50 50 pounds a month you can completely eliminate the need for you know a purchase ledger clerk and I feel that you know by having their understanding of okay you might not be doing purchase ledger anymore but with these new systems in place it opens up a lot of new opportunities for you to add value elsewhere in the business? Absolutely. Uh, and that's what we went through. That, you know, we found that, yeah, certain roles may not be there, but change always brings about new roles, yeah? And how can we adapt people to make sure they fit in those new roles? And sometimes, you know, it is making sure when you go through any change, understanding people, know your people, and how you can actually then provide them with the right skill set to move into these new roles and have the confidence to actually be able to undertake these roles. But again, like say, Lee, that comes from communicating, being collaborative, and showing them, look, have the confidence. Yes, it may not look like what it did look like before, but as a business, we're moving forward for these reasons for the greater good and you still have a part to play yeah and when you put in new systems i guess you know it it sort of puts up barriers in certain respects because there's a different skill level to that's needed in order to take new people on but do you find that actually by having better systems in place you could take on a different variety of people in your finance team than you could before yeah, I mean, we changed um, the shape of the finance area in terms of what we had was management accountants and financial accountants. One good thing within the department, we always made sure that we were business partnering in the right way. But we knew changing the, the face of finance, moving to more, moving away from these traditional roles, but actually having that formal title of business partners. Yeah, and so we knew business partnering comes with other abilities and technical skill you need. So we were quite happy to make that people wanted to actually move forward and be part of that, that we'd um, actually give them the right tools to succeed. So we saw that change. Yeah, we did see a number of junior roles, so should we say consolidate, yeah? But the people who actually went into those roles saw that their remit was bigger. So, you know, you just it wasn't just purchase ledger. It became a bit purchase ledger, sales ledger, and a few other bits. So they become more of an all-round account assistance. And that's great for people. Because they then get exposure to a wider part of the system and to a wider part of the business as well. And when you have that, you can actually add value a bit more into the business rather than just seeing one silo impact that you're working on. Yeah. And, you know, I think by having the internal movement and actually sitting your team down and saying, right, you used to do credit control, you used to do purchase ledger, but with this system, actually, now you can combine them and get more exposure. And um, a recent study by uh, Manpower showed that 52% of people working in accounts didn't feel that their current company offered any type of progression and that's what leads to people getting a bit um, begrudging of their job and feel like it's going a bit stale and start looking elsewhere absolutely and, and you know those 50 percent would say there's no progression it'd be interesting to break that down see what that looks like uh, and what kind of organization they come from because my view would be if there's that many is that organization changing? Is it developing and moving forward with systems? Because new systems, whilst it is scary, they do offer great benefits and great opportunities for people to actually 
become far better skilled and widely have more experience for the greater business benefit. Yeah, and, and where do you see the tra- trajectory of the role that technology plays in the, the future of people working in finance? Yeah, I think, um, well, shall we talk about what's happening now, the, you know, the, the new norm in finance. So again, that's changed for people, but also changed for finance. The thing I fear is where we were with finance many years ago, being that back office uh, function. And does that mean that with what's happening now, that they become that again, you know, because they won't have that same interaction as they've had in the last few years. Um, so will they go back into their comfort mode, shall we say, in terms of sitting behind the screen and just scanning up spreadsheets and presentations, you know, because it's all very important about the body language, about your appearance, how passionate you are. So I feel that from an accounting point of view, you know, we've got to be far more able now to be comfortable in front of a Zoom screen, yeah, and still get across in a very different way how passionate you are, how collaborative you are, and that um, the business is going to gain in terms of how you do it and where you do it. So from that perspective, you know, as finance people have got to understand and keep on evolving. Um Coming back to systems, yeah, I think there's always going to be challenges. And again, if you take the current climate, you know, people will be looking, look, we've lost a lot of um, revenue, you know, profitability. And I'm sure, you know, people at the moment are thinking, uh, is my job safe? Because, you know, naturally you want to look at headcount, you want to look at how you can cut costs, etc. And again, the most important thing is be prepared to change. Don't resist uh, technology change and updates, because uh, if you do, then you will be impacted by it. Embrace it. And even if there's nothing at the end of it, at least you've embraced it and you can take it somewhere else. But I think technology will continue to develop, and we've seen it in many other industries. It will actually replace people. And this is where accountants now have got to look at themselves and say, right, how do I make myself more marketable? How do I stand out? from the rest, yeah? And that comes with wealth and experience and being able to take on those technological advances. Yeah, and I completely agree. I think, you know, with the, the current situation with COVID, at the moment where we're in a period where people are um, being furloughed, but the furlough gravy train, if you like, is running out soon. And I think what I'm seeing from a recruitment point of view is that a lot of um, a lot of people are being kept on until the very last minute and then handed redundancies you know with such short notice that it's it's almost impossible with the current job market to you know actually go from one job to another without having any sort of gap exactly absolutely yes and and on the the flip side as well i think it's true that by nature people in finance are quite usually introvert usually comfortable working on a spreadsheet on their own and being sort of put in a situation where you're isolated from someone else it's almost a case of how do you stop reverting back into uh, the mindset of you're just a silo yeah absolutely yeah that 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 is a great challenge you know and like i said earlier you know that's where you need to look at yourself everyone needs to look at yourself as an accountant say right i still need to make a difference i still need to add value yeah it's great i can go back into my comfort zone but don't allow yourselves to do that really important that you keep going and you rightly you know come towards the fourth quarter of this year there's going to be challenges you know like send the furlough scheme ending there will be more people on the market and you've got 
got to distinguish yourself. You've got to be able to stand out from the rest and have the ability and to engage with people and say, right, this is what makes me different from the others and be able to talk about yourself. Yeah. And I think, you know, part of being an accountant, you know, we have to go through um, CPD and continually sharpen our skills. And I feel, you know, right now in the, the situation, you you have three pools of skills, which is the finance skill, which you can continue learning through various different bodies. You've also got the um, technology skill tree, which I find is hugely important in terms of you know future progression. But then you've also got soft skills, such as how you interact with people, how how comfortable you are, you know, talking to people. And w- what would you say in terms of you know over the next six months? What would you what would you say that people should start focusing on to make themselves more appealable to the next role that they fulfill yeah i think you've touched on all three there i I know from a personal point of view you know i've maintained everything we've talked about those three key areas you know having been out of work for, for a short spell CPD, yeah, from a requirements point of view, very important. But that, there's more emphasis on that because there's a changing world. You know, you need to take COVID-19 into perspective and understand that and what it looks like because we know there's no immediate answers. So it's very important that you keep up to date on that and see what the world's thinking about and where they're going with that. Um, I think another big one which comes from that is risk appetite. What Anything you discuss now, you know, you're going to discuss with risk as a background yeah so it's important that you look at risk strategies as well individuals yes it's a soft skills again you know i just went in and just looked at some communication stuff again you know myself i'm comfortable talking to people i have no from their engaging with people but again it's there's no harm in going back and just looking at a few webcams or websites to say you know where are we? Let me just see if we can just carry on doing that and, and remaining confident because what will happen, people are going to come out of the market, they're going to meet new people, yeah? And how comfortable are they meeting new people? It's easy meet, meeting the people and talking to people that you know. There's familiarity there. There's going to be unfamiliarity uh, going forward. So be comfortable in your own skin that you can engage, you can communicate. So what you've touched on there, Lee, the three things, very important, and I make sure my perspective that I'm always tuned in, always attending webinars, etc., just to keep up to date and see what the current thinking is and what the future lies ahead. And it's changing, and a lot of it may be speculative because we still don't know. You know, we're in uncertain times. But the only way you can actually keep abreast and, I would say, be able to demonstrate that you know what's going on in the current climate is to just, you know, find these things and go in and look and just read and, and attend seminars and obviously you do this in your own time you know yeah fantastic and so lastly if, if you could go back 20 25 years and have a, a word with your younger self what would be the key bit of advice that you would give your prior self the advice i would give myself would be don't be afraid of change yeah change is inevitable we all go through change in our lives and we will go through that in any business and be ready for it yeah adapt to it as quickly as possible and if you can adapt to it, remember something. There's other people who find it just as difficult. So be patient with other people. Be sympathetic. Be empathetic. But the world is changing and be ready for that and be human at the end of it. 
I think that is the key message that I would give myself. Fantastic. I think that's that's great advice that I think anyone listening can take take upon themselves and you know use this time if, if they're furloughed to you know go on a, a self-discovery um, process and be, be ready for for when the, the market picks back up and you know be a, a better person than you were before. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, sorry, go on. Yeah, no, I was just saying it, you know, uh, we talk about you know uncertain times, we talk about mental health, stress, etc. This has impacted a lot of people. Uh, and we went back 20 years ago. I guess we didn't have the demands and the changing climate. We think we didn't, but we did. There's a lot that's changed. It's just the things that are happening today are something that, you know, we've never seen before. Another quick thing I would say is um, if you go back to the financial crisis 2008-2009 time, I can remember someone said the key words, and I remember them now, expect the unexpected. Yeah. You know? Very important, and that's where we are today. Yeah, always be ready and, you know, as you say, be, be open to change, be accepting of change, and, you know, go, go on that journey because it might turn out really good for yourself. Absolutely, yeah. Indeed. And what does the, the future hold for you, mate? What, what are you looking to do for your, your next position? Yeah, next position. Obviously, I've taken a bit of time with the COVID-19. That, that sort of um, I sort of delayed my plans. Um, but I, I left the MIB and I took redundancy. Uh, and um, after 30 years plus working without a break, I thought I would take a few months off just to travel a bit and do those kind of things. But obviously, that was cut short. Yeah, it'd be great to get back in the market. Uh, I've looked at a couple of other things on the side just to sort of make sure that I keep things ticking along but it'd be great to get back into a role uh, where I know that I can actually provide a lot I can add a lot and just look into really moving to an organization that embracing these changes and be part of that challenge going forward so yeah next stage for me is to um, actually see if I can get back in the marketplace and make a difference um, to organizations like that. Brilliant. It's been really fantastic talking to you again, Mo. It's, it's been really eye-opening to, to understand your holistic experience. And if anyone um, listening to the podcast is out there and that they're looking for someone that would, they're looking for someone with most skills, I'll, I'll be able to put you in contact and hopefully we can, we can help you out. Fantastically. It's been a pleasure doing this with you. And um, yeah, thank you very much indeed. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for listening to today's podcast. If you found this um, exciting and like I say, if you want to get in contact with Mo, we'll be more than happy to arrange that for you. Thank you very much for listening and we'll speak to you soon. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening. Continue the conversation online and visit us at mutualrecruitment.co.uk.